You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Corporate Quitter. I'm your host, Gabby Ionello, and today's guest is super special because not only am I working with him, but I helped contribute to part of his book, which is being launched at the end of this year. So his name is Roger Osorio. He is a reinvention coach, speaker, and author of the book, The Journey to Reinvention, which comes out in September 2022. Roger started his own journey of reinvention in 2005, enjoying a life of ups and downs while also being in alignment with who he is and what matters most to him. Since his journey began, he's been on a mission to help people define success on their own terms and reinvent themselves to get what they most desire through his platform and soon podcast called The School of Reinvention. So Roger, thank you so much for being on and thank you so much for doing the good work that you do because so many people are at this pivotal moment of like, I need to reinvent my life. What the fuck do I do? And you are that perfect person to come in and inject your enthusiasm and knowledge on this subject. So thank you. Absolutely. And and thank you for having me. And I've been looking up to your show for some time now, ever since I discovered you through that New York Times article. And it's just been awesome to watch all your growth and everything you're doing. So it's an honor to be here and to get to have this conversation with you. Yeah, I did. I can't wait for you to like blow the fuck up. (laughs) So I'll be like, hey, from up here, like, you know, looking down on past self, but. Yeah, we'll both be there. So there we go. Yeah. Yeah. I'll come on your yacht. You can come on my yacht, you know. I love it. We'll park them next to each other. Let's do it. So obviously we know each other really, really well because we've been talking for the past few months, but can you tell my audience, like, what's your story? How did you even get to the point of like having the breakdown of wanting to reinvent your life? And how did the school of reinvention even come to be? Gosh, it's been a journey, but it really goes all the way back to 2005. It was just one of these moments where you're having a reality check and noticing that the life you're living is definitely not what you had envisioned. It's not the life you ordered. And you're thinking like, what the heck is going on? I found myself at my heaviest that I had ever been way out of shape in a relationship that just wasn't right for me and wasn't right for her either. And so I felt stuck in it. Like I didn't have the courage to get out of it in a ton of debt. And the work that I was doing It was okay, but it wasn't anything I was really passionate about. And so I just thought, something's got to give here. And I hit this maybe a tipping point or a boiling point where I said, no more. I've got to do something about this. And I had an opportunity to get another role in another city. And I thought, I think this will be great. If I can get into another city, then maybe it's just like I can start a lot of new habits. And that was probably the earliest reinvention for me. And it was focused mostly on the health, the wealth, and the relationship. The career came a little bit later. So then from there, you know, I started actually like engaging or embarking on that whole, how do I like start shifting jobs? How do I even quit a job? Which when you started talking about corporate quitter and everything going on with great resignation, I thought, oh my gosh, I remember how difficult that decision was. So the work you're doing is amazing because you're covering all those things that were issues for me when I was thinking about quitting, all the things I was worried about. And there was nobody to read. There was nobody to listen to about that. And that was back in 2008. So I think you're doing awesome work there. But it wasn't until way, way, way later on the journey that this idea of the school of reinvention really came to mind. Yeah. Isn't it funny though, how at least I have found when all the different buckets of your life, right? Your relationships, your physical health, like your spiritual health, if you will, like your relationship with self, all this stuff, when there are things that are all going downhill at the same time, you're like, uh uh-uh, like something's out of alignment. Like we need to change something because everything is bad. Things need to get good again. So something needs to change. Yep, absolutely. And in those three areas, health, wealth, and relationships, I knew that I could do something about that right away when I moved. And it was really, in a way, kind of simple, but of course, you had to be consistent. You know, it was going to the gym and enrolling in that and just making sure, all right, let's do something about this. Can't keep talking about it. Can't keep thinking about it. Just take some action. Even if I don't know what the perfect action is, let me take any action. You know, on the relationship, that wasn't right away. That takes time. It takes courage to be able to end something that you've been in for five years at that point. And so it was really tough to just like walk away from that. But I was able to, over several months, get that courage. And then as far as, you know, money and finance is concerned, I had to take on extra jobs. So even while I was working my corporate day job, I was actually parking cars at night on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. So my nights, I did have a nightlife, I guess. I went out. (laughs) I was just, uh, I just wasn't inside the bar or inside the club or inside the restaurant. I was I was right outside. I was really close, though. So I did have kind of like a nightlife going on, but it was a little different than most people my age. 
But I mean, that's nice to hear. And it's also reassuring for people who I think can sometimes get bogged down with the idea of change because it is so great and is so scary. But also like, I think a lot of people when they're in it for so long, like again, for people who are older, like to think about changing and right, taking the part-time job or doing these things to build that life that's better for you. It's almost like daunting and also like, it's reassuring that other people are doing the same thing, even if it doesn't look sexy or glamorous in the beginning. Yeah, you're absolutely right about it, not looking sexy or glamorous or feeling that way. But I think that's one of the key lessons I've learned along the journey to reinvention, along my own journey, is that even those moments that don't seem so sexy, don't seem so glamorous, you can enjoy them, you can appreciate them, you can at least like say, hey, I'm proud of the work I'm doing, you know, even if it is parking cars. You know, I made sure that I was the best damn valet I could be. You know, when I was there, I was going to run the hardest. I was going to run the fastest. I was going to park perfectly. I mean, I obsessed over being great at that. Was this what I signed up for? No. Did I go to school for that? No. But if I'm doing this, I'm going to be amazing at it. Even later on, once I actually quit the day job, I did have to still find other sources of income. I worked at a mall, like folding shirts, you know? That sounds honestly fun. Like literally, like when I think about if money didn't matter, I would literally be organizing the shelves at Marshall's. That would be my, that would be my dream. Well, it's funny you say that because even today, like, you know, so many years later, I'll go to a store and I'm like, oh, those pants are like not fixed right. Let me just go ahead and tidy. <laughs> let me tidy this table up a little bit because you know what? That's what I was doing too. I was doing that. I At one point, I had a part-time job working at a supermarket, giving away free samples. And yeah, I was like, cool, let's do it. And they paid me like pretty well, actually. So I took on whatever I needed to do in order to get that income to extend my runway as I you know, looked to reinvent myself. That's really cool though, because I could see almost the dots connecting because all those jobs, though they seem mundane and kind of silly, they probably A, put you in the right places with the right people, right? If you're running valet for someone who has a freaking Bentley, you're like, I need to fucking know who you are. But then also, right, social skills of talking with people like on the fly during samples, like even like the meticulous organization of things is really important. So I could see how all those translate to business. Yeah, absolutely. One of the games I used to play when I was parking cars, I always thought to myself, okay, how do I make this skill building while I'm at it? Like, what skill can I build? And so I used to have this little game where I would engage in conversation with whoever it was I was driving the car as they were getting out. Now, normally, if you've ever had a car parked for you, you know, you just get your ticket and you're on your way. You go inside to whatever the venue is and whatever's going on. And that's it. You just maybe say hi real quick, thank you or whatever, and you continue on. So I knew that there's not a lot of time here to engage someone in conversation. If I can get really good at this, imagine like networking at a conference or imagine like at a networking event where they're not running away from me. You know, they're actually like standing there to talk. And so I use that as a game and I always try to engage people in conversation and it was fun. Probably the day where I won the biggest challenge, if you will, was I had somebody like who I had engaged in conversation when she had a with her group. She went inside. She was in there. She came outside and I was sitting down. It was like a moment where pretty much everyone was eating at this point. No one else is coming into the restaurant. And she saw this seat next to me like available because the other guy who was parking cars with me was taking a break. And she, can I take the seat next to you? I thought, yeah, sure. Why not? Weird though. Like, you know, isn't there something more fun going on inside? <laughs> and she goes like, no, but like when I got here, you know, I felt like there was like a nice little conversation we had. And I just thought you're probably more interesting to talk to than the people I'm with in there. And I was like, wow, like there it is like validation. Like, you know what? These little challenges, like we can learn, we can grow, we can develop even while parking cars. Yeah. That's so cool that that happened. It also goes to show again, like, you don't know what you're going to expect, but also like every single moment and every single skill that you build. Like, I'm sure at that point you weren't delivering the speeches that you are now. So that was like the tipping point of the beginning of like, oh my God, like I really enjoy this. How can I make this into a career where literally I just get to speak? Mm -hmm, absolutely. And I definitely was not doing any of that speaking or anything like that. But these little things definitely do play a role, being able to just practice some of these skills. You know, they build up to something later on. You don't always know what it's going to build up to. The book that I'm working on right now, one of the chapters talks a lot about how we engage in these activities, we have these opportunities, and we really do have to trust that the dots are going to connect. And we can't know going into some of these things how they will connect. But to your point, you're right. Those were skills that later on paid off when I got to go out and get on stages or I had to go to events and really engage with large audiences and talk to everybody in a room. Now I'm like, cool, I feel comfortable with this. So the dots did connect eventually. I just had to trust that they would and have fun along the way. Yeah. 
I love that. It's funny because you say that. And my thing when I was in corporate was I would always chat with anyone who was at like the little cafe or like the water cooler, if you will. Like, and so now I'm like, oh my God, I do podcasting and like, I can do this and do that. And like, even though that was a small segue of like, hey, what'd you do this weekend? It like gave me that foundation to speak just very candidly and easily with anybody, regardless if they're like naturally a speaker or they're very quiet. There are dots that align for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how in that story, you know, you took something as could seem so simple, like conversations by the water cooler, but you looked for those opportunities and you saw that. And I think a lot of times when we look at roles, jobs, opportunities, we're looking for like the perfect job description. And sometimes we forget that there's stuff in between the lines there that is not in the job description. But to your point, like parking cars, right? Like somebody's driving that Bentley. I might want to get into a conversation with that guy or, you know, that woman or whoever it might be. You never really know. So, yeah, that's the stuff in between the job description lines. And you've really got to read in between them and see what the opportunities are and then do something about them when you're in it. Yeah. Emphasis on do something about it. (laughs) So I want to kind of reel it back a bit. We can obviously keep talking on that just naturally because we both, I think, have a very similar journey in some sense of doing a lot of dabbling. But what is reinvention? Like we say, oh, reinvent yourself, right? Start over and all that. But like, what does that actually entail? Yeah. So for me, what it really means is making changes in your life in order to get into alignment with who you really are. So I think that there are moments in our lives where we just feel like something's off. And the symptoms come in so many ways and shapes and forms. For me, one of them was dreading Mondays, where Sunday comes and I'm like, oh, like, you know, and you and I have had this conversation before where we've both had those moments in our careers. We just like dreaded Mondays. And then Sundays kind of suck as a result because you know what's next. You know what's waiting for you. So when those things are happening, that's a sign. Your body's telling you, your mind, your heart, your soul's telling you that something's just not right here. And it may not be that you have like a terrible boss to work for or that, you know, a terrible teammates or the job sucks or you're not getting paid well. It might not be any of that. It just might be it's not in alignment with who you are. And so reinvention is really an opportunity to start making those changes in our lives and basically kind of keep up with our evolution, keep up with our values, keep up with our passions, keep up with our purpose so that we can always find ourselves in alignment. And, you know, reinvention is not the goal. It's just a means to an end. It's to get us into a place where we feel like, awesome, where I am at right now, who I am, what matters to me, you know, the goals that I have, the values that I have are perfectly in alignment with what I'm doing. So I'm good right there. And I think reinvention is how we can do that when we find that we're not in alignment. Yeah. It's hard though, I think for most people to even get to the idea of alignment because there's what society tells you is correct, right? The way that corporate sets you up for things or just like how you should play along in this game of life, right? That other people have done. And then there's like, what you said of like alignment, which sometimes isn't always rational. It doesn't mean that there's a linear path. It's just what's true for you, which can be a really hard thing to decipher for people. Yeah, that's a great point. One of the big things I really start with when I work with clients is helping them define success on their terms, which I think actually is often one of the scariest things to do. I remember when my coach started really getting me into that exercise, he said, just a warning, when you start writing this stuff down, your hand might shake. You might start tearing up. You might get stuck. You might find like, why can't I write more? And it's because you're starting to break through. You're starting to actually write what matters to you. And it doesn't follow the normal script. It's not in line with what society tells you you need to be doing. And it's scary to write some of those things down because if society was judging it, they might say, why would you go backwards? Why would you get paid less? You know, when I got into teaching, people thought I was crazy. They're like, all right, so you've got two master's degrees. You've got two bachelor's degrees. And you're going to become a classroom teacher making crap money? Like, dude, why are you going backwards in life? They didn't even mean it like in a bad way. They were just thinking like, hey, we're looking out for you. Like we want you to move up, not down. But in my mind, success on my terms, that wasn't going down. That was like a massive leap forward to the kind of life that I wanted to live, to the kind of work that was aligned with who I was at that point on my journey. Yeah. It's funny because I'm sure you had that moment of like, is does success for me actually equate to money or does success for me actually feel like empowerment and helping others and like all those things, which is what you're doing now. And of course the money is there. You're like, just telling me right before this call, you're like, got another speaking engagement. So obviously it's like flying in, you know, like this whole month you're like packed with engagements. But it's funny when you take a look at things, how your version of success is so different from what is supposed to quote unquote be true. Yep, exactly. And coming to terms with that, accepting that, and then moving in that direction, you know, those are definitely easier said than done. Thinking about when I started that journey, one of the biggest mistakes I actually made along that journey was thinking that I had to do it by myself because people didn't get me, because I felt like they just 
didn't understand why I was doing things, I learned to kind of isolate myself, how to almost like shut myself away from folks because I thought I appreciate where their heart's at because I know deep down they're actually trying to help me. But hearing those things, it's not really helping me. And so I kind of need to shut those voices out, which then all of a sudden you find yourself shutting so many people out, you're by yourself. But then you embrace these ideas like the lone wolf, you know, the solopreneur and all of these things that we say that are supposed to be empowering. But let's face it, once you get into the work, you realize this is not really what it's supposed to be. Like it could be way better. And we don't do things well when it's just us by ourselves. It's really, things get great when we build teams. You've posted about this like really well and your posts have been really inspiring where you're so transparent about all the people in your life that you've hired to help you build what you're doing. So people know that this isn't just a magical thing that you produce by yourself. It takes a team, you know, to make this thing happen. But when we're shutting people out, thinking that no one gets us, we got to do it on our own. You almost become pretty good at that, you know, if you really commit to that and you shut everybody out, even people you could be hiring who, hey, if they're getting paid, they're happy to work with you. You know, and I found myself going through that and I learned that, no, like it's better to do it, like walk the journey with others. And that's why the School of Reinvention, one of the big things that I'm doing that's different, I think, than traditional course academies is it's really about, I want to coach people because I realize that there are no two similar reinvention paths. You and I could decide that we want to both reinvent ourselves into the exact same thing. But there's no one formula for either one of us to follow because we have different circumstances, we come from different places, we have different passions, values, purpose. All of these things are different. So all of the inputs are different. And as a result, our paths are going to be different. So to that end, I think, you know, what I do best in terms of helping people is like, it's a little custom to some extent, but it's not just about the custom path that I can help you with one-on-one, I think it's really what I want to build is a community like where we're all doing it together, where you are alongside other people who are going through similar challenges, but not exactly the same as yours, but similar in many ways. And you can call on them. And sometimes we just need somebody to like lift us up, to extend the hand and lift us up when we've fallen down for a moment. And when I was doing it alone, I didn't have that hand. And so that's what I want to build out is I want you to have plenty of hands to pick you up. And I count on you now, Uh, you know, I feel like you're part of my journey and you're one of those hands, you know, there to lift me up. Like when I'm scared about maybe trying something new that I'm uncomfortable with. Yeah. It's funny though, because I think what I'm realizing in my own journey is that there's a clear difference between self-isolation and tunnel vision. Like self-isolation is purposely putting yourself in a place of not being around others because you feel like no one understands you. Whereas tunnel vision is more of like, I am purposely cutting up the garbage and the fluff because I am being so stubborn with my vision that I I will not take no for an answer. Like this needs to work. So if it means that I'm closing people out temporarily, not permanently, I'm going to do it. Yeah. The reason, the distinction there, I think is like what's causing you to cut them out for a moment, like you said, momentarily, just temporarily. And I think that, yeah, Tunnel vision, getting hyper-focused on one thing so that you can do it incredibly well. Very different than saying, like, I'm just going to isolate myself. I'm the lone wolf. I'm the solopreneur, and I'm just going to figure it out on my own. Big difference. And I think that having that focus is so key. And for me, just along the journey, one of the things that I've learned is that the tunnel vision, the tunnel's still pretty big at the beginning because it's, like, pretty broad. (laughs) But as every year goes on, like, that tunnel gets a little more narrow, and it's a good thing. I've learned that the things that I cut out are just as important as the things that I bring into my life. Sometimes even more important because they're the ones that when I cut things out, I'm opening up like more time and more energy and more focus to do that one thing that I really want to do incredibly well. Yeah, I agree. I'm wondering, I want to speak on the community in a second, but I'm wondering how can someone actually start their journey of reinvention, right? Because like, especially if you don't know what you'd want to do or where you want to go, like, you know, you want something to change, but you're like, I help help, SOS, like, please, for the, like, give me guidance. What do I do? Yeah. So as far as getting started, you know, a lot of times I think people think that reinvention is something that has to be like a massive effort. It's got to be a big undertaking. You're obviously helping people with one of those big undertakings, which is the decision to quit your job. That's a big one, right? But that's not the only thing you could do to begin that journey to reinvention. Sometimes getting onto the journey is taking on a part-time job outside of your nine to five or outside of your corporate gig and doing something that, you know, lights you up for a little while. That's how I got started. You know, before I made the big career reinvention, I started teaching part-time at a learning center where I was teaching students math. And I did that for maybe six to eight hours a week. I mean, I didn't get back home until about 6 p.m. and it was right in my neighborhood and they were only open until 8 or 9 p.m. So I only had a few hours that I could give them every single day and I didn't always get to do it every single day. And so I got six to eight hours tops, but that little side gig, that little activity, which could have seemed like "Ah, it's just a few extra bucks, you know, to help pay off some of those student loans. 
No, it was more than that. Uh, little did I know that that was going to set me on a totally new path to eventually becoming a middle school and high school math teacher. But you never know when you're doing these things at the beginning, but that's how small it could be. Just take on a part-time job, get involved in an organization maybe that's already doing that kind of work. Find those small experiments because really those small experiments can turn into much bigger things. And also we need to build momentum. We need to build a little confidence. These things are scary. Like if I say I'm going to become something totally brand new, totally jumping into that, quitting everything, just going all in like on day one. And I've seen your posts where you're like, hey, look, you don't have to do that right away. Like, that's not the point. You know, that might be that big move you have to do to unlock the next level. But there's work to be done before that. There's prep stuff to be done before that. And part of that is running small experiments. So anybody looking to like get started, I would say find that small experiment, find that small event, even somebody you could talk to in that space that you're even just curious about. Because it just might be curiosity and it might not be anything more. I was lucky that particular one turned into more. But I also experimented with uh, working with musicians. That one did not work out. Was not feeling that. It was nice to give it a shot and I had a little bit of fun, but I felt like, mm, not for me. And when I got into that experiment, I genuinely thought that could have been something. But it turned out it wasn't. So not all experiments will pan out and that's a good thing. But there's only one way to find out if you got to experiment. Yeah, experiment to validate is your quickest form to figure out where you should be. Similarly to you, when I figured I wanted to do something outside of corporate, I did a couple different things. One of them is I took to Craigslist and I found someone who had a podcast who wanted me to be on. I was like, you know what? I have free time during COVID. I don't have anything else going on. Might as well try this. And that's when I fell in love with podcasting. Had I not gone and did that, I would have never known. And it's funny because at the same exact time, I thought I was set on stone thinking I was going to start a blog, right? I thought that was going to be my big break. So at the same time as I was experimenting with podcasting, I had a blog, I was writing posts and all that stuff, right? Because that's what the experts were telling me at the time. This was two years ago. Well, it's crazy to say that was two years ago. It was two years ago, but that wasn't the thing. But now I know, right? I figured out, okay, it's not this, but it's that. And so once you experiment and also like with experimentation, I find with most people, it's not that they're not willing to experiment. It's that number one, they don't want to waste time, which I understand, right? You don't want to put in so much effort to experiment and then feel like, okay, that was for nothing, but it's not for nothing. It's for something. It's for knowledge. But the other thing too is like even the intimidation factor about starting something new. Like, oh, what if I'm not good? Or what if I don't like it? Or what if this feels weird? Or what if I feel uncomfortable? Or like all of those things. Like for anything at all, there's always that intimidation factor. Mm -hmm. And I think you can mitigate some of that intimidation and fear factor with a smaller experiment. Because the smaller the experiment, the less pressure there is, right? It doesn't have to work out. It doesn't have to be amazing. We're just testing the waters. No big deal. I'm not going all in on this. You can even say that to yourself because it is a small experiment and you can see what's what. But you're absolutely right. Like I love what you said about the experimenting with the blog. There was only one way for you to figure out that that was just not going to be it. It was by giving it a shot and trying it. And to your point, you know, nothing is lost in those attempts. If anything, a lot is to be gained from taking more attempts because along the way, you meet really interesting people, you get different perspectives, you start discovering like other people's ideas and frameworks. And you're like, wow, you know, it's interesting. Some of the best bloggers do this, this, and this. Now, I'm not trying to be one of the best bloggers anymore because I've moved on to podcasting. But I think I can borrow some of those strategies and bring them into my world. The more of that you have, the better. I feel like, you know, when I was at IBM and some people would pick my brain like, hey, I'm trying to do something like maybe something related to a product or a challenge that they're having in the business. And they would like, I just want to pick your brain on because you just have so many ideas. I told them, look, the reason I have so many ideas is simply because I've tested so many things. I don't know these things like in super depth, but I don't have to. But I did engage enough in that experiment to identify some of those key ideas and frameworks. And now I'm happy to be able to give them back to others. And maybe like, that's the whole point. The fact that I was able to help somebody else and just point them in the right direction. I'm like, look, find an expert on that because I'm not going to be the expert. But I learned enough from that one experience or that one experiment to nudge you in this direction and say, go find out more, like go there. And that might lead to something or it might not. But I think these experiences never lost at all. Something always to be gained. Yeah. And this is one of those moments where I just heard the phrase and I'm like, oh my God, this is so fucking, this is awesome. It's your mess is the message. Like the mess that you experience, all of the messy action you take, all of that stuff is in your message. That is in the final product of what you deliver. And I was like, fuck, yes, that's exactly it. Yes. <laughs> You're like, I love it. Embrace the mess, embrace the mess, take as much of it on as possible. Like with your messy action, like that all got you to exactly where you are. And it's made your message so much clearer because you know exactly the steps now because you did it. 
Yep, exactly, exactly. And, you know, same thing with your blog story and all of that. And I remember one of our earliest conversations, you told me about those initial experiments that you ran, the ones that you really thought were going to be the ones that were going to take off. And the podcast was kind of like just this silly little thing on the side just to get some people off your back and say that you got this thing going on. And look where it went. You know, you never really know. And so for me, that was one of my favorite stories about your journey. And by the way, that one makes it into the book. Yes. I'm like, the fact that I thought an ebook was going to be the thing that landed me on Good Morning America. I mean, maybe it will for some people, but like with this personality, I can't fit this in a book. So, I mean, we'll see. No. We'll see. No, no, no. It, does, it doesn't go in a book. Yeah. Unless I think there's like an iPad in the book with like a bunch <laughs> of videos of you. Like it's... No. <laughs> but again, we both tried different things and here we are. But um, I'm wondering for someone who's just starting to dabble into the idea of experimentation or even they're potentially thinking about joining the School of Reinvention to actually kickstart their journey, what is something that they can expect during this, I would say, rough process, right? Because it's not sexy. It's not easy. Like, what are some of the hiccups or typical road bumps that people can expect to rub against it in addition to that experimentation type of phase? Yeah, definitely bumps in the road that we got to look out for. But the good news is that, you know, take the bumps. They're important and you will appreciate having taken them up. But some of the things to keep in mind are limiting beliefs. There are some beliefs we have and they're not bad because they're limiting. It's just that when you want to get on a new path, on a new journey, a belief that might have helped you in one place might actually be the thing that holds you back in another. And that's different for everyone because it really depends on where you're trying to go and where you're coming from. So really being mindful that some of these beliefs that did help you in some areas of life may not help you anymore. For instance, like one of the big ones that I came across and I really only just had the breakthrough four months ago, like right around during the Christmas holiday. And it was really tough to kind of accept that, wow, this was it. But it was just this scarcity thinking that I really didn't think I had a problem with, but I really did. And it was in certain parts of my thinking. And I realized as I reflected on this that, that kind of thinking actually served me well in certain moments of my journey. I would sometimes see other people's success as like a problem. Like it bothered me almost because I would think like, oh no, there is less success to be had. Now, there was a moment in time where this kind of competitive thinking did serve me when I was really the underdog and I had to like just make myself feel like I could crush anybody. Like, you know, I don't care that I'm like the beginner, the smallest like underdog here. I can make this thing happen. So it got me up to a point. It helped me like walk into a room and feel confident even when I maybe didn't have all the results. So it served me well for a moment. But then all of a sudden, now you're in the room and now you're going into other rooms this is not the kind of behavior that helps. It's not the kind of thinking that helps you. All of a sudden, I realized, wow, I need a shift here. I need a massive shift. And while I thought I had eradicated most of that, you know, you just find that it's in little parts of your thinking, little things you say to yourself. So I think that's one of the things that people run into is when you're getting on the journey, all of a sudden, you're challenging a lot of beliefs that did help you and did serve you. And you're conflicted. What do I do? Like, that was actually good. <laughs> and now it's not. Like, I don't understand. And you've really got to be aware of that because that could hold you back completely. Another one that comes up a lot is not having clarity of what the next step is, not having certainty as to what the next step is. One of the number one questions that I've gotten from people that I've interviewed about or surveyed about reinvention is what's next. They're always wondering, what's next? What do I do next? What's the next step? What's the next move? What's the next experiment? Whatever that is. It's an issue of clarity, right? And they're really worried about that and not knowing and that's a tough one because all I can tell you is that that is part of the journey, not having perfect clarity, but that's actually where the really good stuff comes from. If the route and the path was perfectly clear, you wouldn't really be on much of a journey. <laughs> you kind of just like go do, you know, check all the boxes, ta-da, you made it. Like, and it didn't take a lot of effort. The reason you are going through this is because you want something that is not as common. It's something that maybe others haven't had or never had, but you want it for yourself because this is your unique definition of success. So be prepared for uncertainty. And that's why experimentation is so important because it's a tool to mitigate that uncertainty. Last one I'll share. I mean, there's so many bumps in the road to work, but I think this is another big one that comes up is the finances, the money part of it. If you're listening to this, you've probably heard this from many people that the money doesn't really matter. Don't worry about it. You'll figure it out, all that. It'll be okay because you're going to be doing what you love. That makes sense when you're already on the other side, like, because you get that. But when you have not yet taken the move and you've got your really big salary and you've got your lifestyle and all of that, everything feels like a loss. Like, oh my gosh, I'm about to lose all of this. And we are naturally loss averse. That's just the way our brains work. It doesn't mean that we can't 
override that. It just means that that's the default setting, is that we're loss averse. Anything that is about to be removed from what we already have, even what we think we have, even if we don't actually have it. Like if somebody told you, hey, like Gabby, I'm going to take you out like, you know, to a really awesome dinner and then we're going to go to this game and you're going to sit courtside and all of that. You haven't even done it yet. And then imagine they come back tomorrow and they say, hey, it didn't work out. I don't have it. You're going to be pissed. And the reason you're pissed is because it was almost like, but I had it and you haven't even actually had it. So imagine the things you do have, your salary, your home, your like your lifestyle, your dinners, your routines, your habits, all based on all of this. You're going to be worried about that naturally. But when I took the step and I cut the salary cord and I didn't have that anymore, I finally understood what people said. Like when you're doing what you love, it's not that I was happy to be poor. It's not that I wasn't stressed when debt collectors were calling and all of that. It was simply that, my God, when you are so fulfilled, like you can navigate that. Like, that's not going to bring me down. It's not going to devastate me. It sucks. Don't get me wrong. It does suck to get calls from debt collectors. But it's not as devastating because you're doing fulfilling work. Because you come home at the end of a really long day and you're like, wow, Jason just had this incredible breakthrough in his trigonometry. Like, that was just the most amazing. Like, I feel like I got the win there. (laughs) But it's his work. Teaching math early in my journey I got so much fulfillment from that. I didn't care that I couldn't go out clubbing and, you know, get bottle service and or, you know, go out on shopping sprees for clothes or whatever it might be. Didn't really matter because I was so focused on this other work that I was doing and it was great. And again, it's not that I didn't want that one day or I wouldn't want that one day. It's just that I'm so fulfilled right now. So I'm good. I'll continue this work. And I finally understood it only once I got there. So I try to help people understand that. That said, you still have to plan. You still got to figure out your runway. You still got to figure out your number. I don't advocate having debt collectors call you. It wasn't something I wanted. Um, It was just something that happened along the journey. But that said, we can plan, which is really good. And we can come up with contingency planning and we can come up with backups and all of that. For me, that was parking cars, folding shirts, giving away samples at the supermarket, whatever it took to extend my financial runway. But all that said, the fulfillment you're going to get from living a life that's aligned with your values, passion, and purpose, I cannot even tell you like how amazing that feels even when you're coming home. And like my days during two of the toughest years, the day started about 5, 5.30 in the morning. I'd go to the gym on the elliptical. I'd read journal articles. I was in two master's programs at the time, and I was like consulting and working at a job and doing all these different things and tutoring as well for my own small business. I would read journal articles for my schoolwork uh, on the elliptical. And my wife at the time, she was then getting up to get ready to work. We shared one car. We lived in the suburbs outside of St. Louis. No buses, no nothing like that. So I had to be her chauffeur as well. I had to go do all of my things. We didn't get home until about like 10 p.m. when we finally sat down to have a little snack and watch an episode or two of Friends and then go to bed by like about 10.40 and then I was up at 5 a.m. That was my life for two straight years. Honestly, I look back at those years and I go, wow, those are two of the greatest years of my life because I was doing fulfilling work. I was learning. I was contributing by helping these students. It was just an absolute amazing experience. So those are kind of the three things that I'll say that I think, you know, you'll run into probably pretty early or even even before you get on the journey. Yeah. And I would say even for people who are thinking about quitting corporate, all of those things, those are like the biggest things that come up. That and like insurance and stuff, but the financial one is always the biggest thing. And it's hard. It's really fucking hard. Yeah, the insurance one is one that I know you've talked a bit about, and I think you've had guests talk about that. So important, and it's such a difficult one because it varies, right? Like when I got on my journey, I was in my 20s. Very different time. Insurance was super cheap. You know, when you're in your 20s, like nothing really happens. So I was good for a while. And there were a couple of years that I just kind of did it without insurance. I was just like, let's see if nobody notices. And I just kind of like went without insurance. But I found some amazing people along the way, doctors who still offered to help me. They knew what I was going through. And they're like, just come see me. We'll take care of it. I'll come up with a different price and all of that. You meet people. But if I was older, like I know it's different. I have clients who are in their 50s and 60s. That's a very different equation. That's a very different equation for them when it comes to insurance. But the good news is that it is figure outable. You know, it is something that can be figured out. We just got to put different kind of thinking to that and come up with different solutions. Yeah, it's all about perspective shifts. I think we all want things to look and be a certain way. And when they don't align in that way, you're like, oh, something must be wrong, but it's not. It just seems like in the moment. But I'm wondering, so one of the things that I've found too with people who are quitting or just reinventing their lives is this concept of like 
they're afraid they're like running away from something instead of running towards something. Instead of running towards a goal, they're running away from like a bad environment or like, right? There's a difference between the two. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like how to decipher maybe the two? Yeah, absolutely. That is a massive one. That is one that can mean a horrible reinvention experience where it ends up in failure versus one that you figure your way out through it. One of the things I always tell people is that when you run away from something, you tend to look over your shoulder, look behind you to make sure that it's not catching up to you because you're running away from it. And the problem is that you're actually not looking what you're running towards, which means you're not applying to, let's say, a specific kind of job. You might just apply to any job, any company that will take you. And I've been working with clients on that where I've noticed that they've gotten into those situations where they apply to any job. They took the, all right, this one made me a great offer. I'm just going to go for it and all of that, only to find out that they ended up in a worse situation. The big distinction here, I think, is at least having a target of where you want to go before you make that big decision to leave something. And it's really important that you find yourself running towards something because even though there is no set path and it's not going to be guaranteed success or anything like that, at least you're constantly and consistently running in a certain direction. One of the reasons why this is also very important is because you will be presented with so many opportunities, i.e. distractions, and those distractions can totally throw you off when you don't know where you're running. When you run away from stuff, everything sounds like a good opportunity. All of a sudden, this class, this program, this mastermind, this coach, this, that, that, you know, you name it, this event, this conference, this product, this service, everything starts to make sense because it's all possible. But when you run towards something, very specifically defined, whatever that thing might be, even if it's not perfectly defined, but at least you can kind of see a fuzzy, hazy version of it, at least you know you can start tuning some of those distractions out. So that's the other thing I would say is that when you run towards something, you can also tune out some distractions that might trip you up along the way. Yeah. I love that. I think a lot of people need to do a reevaluation of what they're doing to see if they're running away or running towards something. Because I think when you had introduced that phrase to me, I think a couple months ago, I was like, holy shit, like, I'm running away from some stuff. Like, not cool. (laughs) So we've done since changed since then, but uh, it's a very real thing. Yeah. I think one way to check yourself on that, to see like what it is, is like, you know, to really think about like, ask yourself the tough questions and maybe have somebody else ask it for you. Like you might know what the tough question is, but it's better if you just have someone else ask you, maybe a dear friend or a spouse or, you know, somebody, but ask somebody to ask you like, so why is it that you're leaving? One of the most powerful questions you can ask is even better than why is how did you arrive at your decision? How did you arrive at this desire or this need to leave? And then really that helps you analyze the way you thought your way through to this point. And when you see that, you start to realize now you can look more tangibly at those things and say, wow, you know, as I look at this objectively, I, hmm, gosh, I just listed, I hate my boss. The kind of work I'm doing sucks. They don't treat me well. I have no opportunities to make more money, da, 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 all these kinds of things. And when I'm working with my clients, one of the things right away I can tell you is I'm like, well, I'm not hearing anything about where you want to go. (laughs) Like I haven't heard about anything related to like a direction. All I'm hearing is all the reasons why you must go from this place. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't go. You probably should at some point go if a lot of these things are like stacking up in the wrong direction. That said, let me help you like come up with some sort of direction because without that, you're going to possibly run into maybe something worse. And that would suck because... I'm not saying that we're not going to make mistakes on the journey. We will. But for me, that's how you waste a little bit of time on the journey. Like we can have bad experiences and learn so much from it. But there's some that it's like, those are avoidable. And if we can just be aware of that and just be honest with ourselves, we might be able to save ourselves some of that time. Yeah. So speaking of avoiding the chaos, obviously you have the School of Reinvention, you have the podcast coming out and you have the book that's coming out. So I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about that. Like, let's start with actually the school. Like, so. What was it like to develop that? I think a lot of people are curious about like wanting to do something similar, but also like where did even the idea come from? Yeah, so the idea started when I got laid off by IBM. So I was laid off in 2020 during the pandemic. We were still locked down at that point in time. They were just, you know, big strategy shifts, cutting product lines, all that kind of stuff. I get it, you know, and I was on the wrong side of the company. So it is what it is. That said, 
I was still in this moment where I'm like, gosh, what do I do with this? And I was inspired by a mentor of mine who I told, you know, when I called her later that night, I said, hey, Jennifer, I just wanted to let you know that I got laid off. Like, and, and she was all pissed and everything, which I appreciated because it made me feel a little good for a moment. But she said, you know what? I'm not worried about you because I know you've been on this journey for some time. You've been out there without work or steady work. You always find the way you figure it out. And you've done those experiments and you've done that work. But she goes, a lot of these IBMers who've been here have been here for most of their careers, if not all of their careers. And for them, it's going to be a different experience than it is for you. And so she challenged me. She's like, I want you to help these folks. I want you to help them prepare for what's next. And as I started to think about how to do that, I was just like, okay, well, I know what my skills are, coaching, speaking, you know, these events, teaching. So I thought, how do I weave all of this into a solution that adds value and helps them prepare? And so... I had this idea to start a mastermind. I had only just started learning about masterminds and I thought, cool, maybe this is what would help here. And so I decided to launch a mastermind so that we can prepare people to write an exciting new chapter of their lives. That's what I was saying in a lot of the kind of like promotions I was doing for it internally. And here I am just trying to figure out who got laid off. There's no list. (laughs) So I'm like, how do I advertise to these people internally if there's no list? And so I just started like talking about all this kind of stuff. But then eventually I the word reinvention came to mind because I wanted to give this mastermind a catchy name and reinvention mastermind came up. And as I started doing this work and helping these people out, I just learned so much about what they were going through, the feelings and the emotions, the fears, the questions of what's next. That's where I learned like what's next is the number one question everyone has when they're making a transition, whether forced or voluntary. It's like, what do I do next? And so they inspired me to take this one step further. So when we finally had our last day, because we all had the same final 30 days at the company, I pitched them to continue doing the reinvention mastermind. And a few of them took me up on a paid version of it and they joined me on that journey. So I thought, cool, maybe it's masterminds. Then I started thinking it was going to be courses because I looked at what others were doing and course academies. Kind of like your journey, like you saw people doing blogs. This seems to be the thing. I thought course academies was the thing. I'm a teacher. Like, I mean, this makes perfect sense, right? For me to build courses. I really thought that was going to be it. And honestly, like I just spent about a year trying to figure out how to do this, which should not have been that hard. And it wasn't. I know how to stand up a course, an on-demand course or whatever, but it wasn't feeling right. It just didn't feel like me. And I couldn't explain it at the time. I was just like going through a year's worth of discomfort trying to figure this out, taking any little odd job I could. I was still teaching at the University of Pennsylvania and at Sarah Lawrence College, so I at least had a little income. But I was just like, this doesn't feel right. Like, why is this like pulling teeth? Why is it so hard to like make a class when I know I could just whip these up like in a moment? And I eventually realized it just wasn't aligned with me. And eventually it became what I'm about to get ready to launch in a few weeks, the next iteration of it, which is not going to be based on courses. It's going to be based on coaching. And what I'm doing is it's like a community-based coaching platform. What I'm trying to do is really bring people in where there's more live engagements, less of the asynchronous on demand. There'll be a few courses in there, the few things that I don't want to waste their time with in a live setting. So I figured you can watch that on your own time or just listen to it. But what I really want to be able to do is get on a call with you every single week. People told me, no, if you're doing a course academy kind of thing, you got just one monthly call. This is the format and all that. I go, yes, if you're doing a course academy, but that doesn't feel right to me. What I want to do is have like maximum access and engagement to the audience. And I really want to be able to bring my energy and my passion to that conversation because I know I can help them once I hear a little bit more. So what I'm building out is based mostly on live interactions, where there'll be like about nine to 10 hours on any given month of actual interaction with me and with other people who are in the school of reinvention. And my mission is really to like help you start moving closer to that. Initially, for some, it might be getting on the journey. Like, I need help getting on the journey. For others, it's like, I just got on, but I'm like not making much progress. Cool. Then join the school reinvention. Let me help you with that because it's a month to month thing and it's not the same for everyone. Yeah. It's funny though, I'm sure, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe when you started writing your book and being engaged in the community that you're engaged in for the book writing community and your publisher and all that stuff might've given you the idea for this community type build for the school of reinvention. Am I right or no? No, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, this is just kind of like a side thing to mention, but getting on this book writing journey was even if like I stopped right now and I didn't finish my revisions and I just told the publisher, I don't want to do this anymore. There was so much value that I've gained from doing this and just organizing my ideas and understanding what the real challenges are when it comes to reinvention so that I could design a solution that is going to really serve and help people actually make the change. You know, for some things, 
having a bunch of courses in some sort of online academy makes sense. But for what I'm doing, I'm realizing, no, there's no courses or set of courses that I could just make you watch on your own by yourself, which, by the way, goes back to like how I got started. The lone wolf. No, that's not the way to do it. You know, there are no courses I I could teach you that would just say, okay, cool, I can reinvent myself now as many times as I want, because that's not even the point. The point is like, let's do it with others. Let's get new ideas in there. Let's get new perspectives. Let's meet people with new passions. Let's get new questions. That only happens with people. And I learned that from writing the book. And you're absolutely right. Like, that's what eventually got me to the point where I'm like, there it is. And this feels so aligned, so aligned. Like, I've never been more excited about now, like the school of reinvention, as I am now, because I feel like what I finally arrived at, which took me almost two years to get to through lots of iterating and all of that, I'm like, oh, this feels amazing. This feels like something I could do for the next 20 years of my life. It took a while to get there, but, you know, hey, it's fine. The journey's fun, so I can't really complain. Yeah. I mean, with the writing of the book, I'm sure it gave you a ton of clarity too, because it forced you to actually outline all these things. Like, for example, like I know what it takes to quit corporate because I quit corporate and I built this business and do all these things. But to actually put it on paper, you're like, fuck. Like, I don't know how to jam all my knowledge from my head onto 200 pages. Like, holy crap, that's a lot. Yeah, you're right. And it's not about doing that. You know, a lot of times, you know this from the guests you interview because you're always trying to extract stories. It's really the stories. That's how we really learn. So if you just jam-packed your knowledge into 200 pages, that wouldn't cut it. We need the story to really help us like learn the lesson, to really take it in, feel like it's relatable, and do something about it. And that's the book writing journey. So yeah, definitely a lot more challenging of a way to get it down and to do something with it, but so worthwhile when you have your own breakthroughs and you become better at the thing that you're writing about. Yeah. And now it's fun because you're launching it basically all within the same like five month period. Oh my gosh. Like I was just telling my (laughs) editor, I had a call with her earlier today and she goes, I just want to check in. We're halfway through the revisions process. It's an eight week process. We're at the beginning of week five. And she goes, I just want to like do a quick check in with you and see how are you doing? Like, how is this going? Like, how do you feel? And I go, wait, do you mean like, where am I like tactically, like specifically on the checklist? No, no. How do you feel? Like, do you feel you're on on track? I go, wow, that's a really good question. And I go, well, you know what? Now that I think about it, if I could do this again, I, you know, I told her that I hired you to help me with social and to help me with the podcast and all that. I think I kind of just put a lot right in this, literally the same moment editing and revision started and all that. I think I wouldn't have put it all in at the same time, but it is what it is. I'm marching and running still towards the deadline. And she was like really excited. She goes, I love everything you're doing because I know it's still serving the book. I know this is tough, but I love that you're still motivated to move there. Not everyone is. She said of the five authors that she's working with at this moment to just dropped out, you know, like they will not be making it to the finish line. They're postponing it till a later time. And she goes, I just wanted to make sure that you feel good about making it, even though you are a little bit behind right now. I go, no, I, I still feel good. I'm a little concerned, but the right amount of concern, like the kind of concern I'm still motivated, still going to keep marching towards it. And we're going to get there. Don't worry. One way or another, we'll find a way. I've had late nights. It's not something I want to do all the time, but if it needs to get done, then we'll do it. Yeah. But I love how you're encompassing all this stuff. You're doing the ultimate when it comes to marketing and also providing value. Because there's one thing if you launch like a podcast or there's one thing if you launch the book, but to do it all at the same time, you're providing so much value for every type of person, whether it's the person who can only like access the free materials, right? Your free podcast or your free platform. If they want to pay a little bit more because they're like, fuck yeah, I love this guy. Okay, buy the book. Okay, oh, oh, I love him. I really, really love him and I need him. School of reinvention, right? You give so many different ways for people to access that information in a way that's tangible, that's fun, and also gets them to get to know you, which is going to set you up for long-term success. Absolutely. And that, I think, is the biggest benefit. That's why it's been awesome to have you on the journey because, you know, you're really helping me add these different forms of value, things that I probably would have, I think eventually I would have figured it out. It just would have taken me a lot longer. Thanks to you, though, I'm moving a lot faster. And I'm not making the mistakes that normally you would make when you're trying to do something on your own. When you're operating as a lone wolf, you make mistakes that could have been avoided. And, you know, working with you, you know, it it helps a lot. Plus, you know, you you give me a boost of courage because sometimes you're like, did you get a video up on TikTok? And I'm like, no. And I'm like, damn it. And so what do I do right after we hang up on our call? I'm like, let me make a quick video right now, you know, and but it's great because it gets me out of my head, right? I'm not in my head anymore. I'm now thinking, no, I'm doing this for Gabby. And that's right now what I need. 
You know, eventually I'll be doing it for the community. I'll be doing it for myself. I'll be doing it to get those ideas out there and all of that. But at the beginning of anything, sometimes we need a little bit of that help. And so it's, you know, awesome to be able to have that. And now as a result, you're helping me add more value to my customers, to my ideal clients. And to your point, the ones that maybe aren't ready to spend money yet, but they still need the help and they're still looking to get on the journey. Yeah. I was in the similar boat as you. When I first started all this, I think I paid like $800 for like a VIP day for someone who knows social and video. And man, did that shit pay off. So like, I'm, I'm very excited for you. We're going to have a good time. Oh, we absolutely are. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. And it's already happening, you know, but hey, look, I've got the first podcast interview scheduled for next week, thanks to you, because, you know, you let that fire under my butt and I could have easily used the excuse. See, I, I want to sometimes use the excuse with you that, but Gabby, I'm working on my book. It's revisions. You know, it, it'll be done June 3rd. Like, can we wait until then? But I'm, I'm afraid to say that to you because I'm like, I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> I don't think she's going to take that as an excuse. Oh God, I'm hoping I'm not that terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's in a good way. It's in a good way. It's why we hire personal trainers, right? Because when we say, all right, I did my 20, they'll be like, well, you're going to do 25 now. You know, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> I don't do 25. I do 20. It's like, mm, I asked you for 25. Uh, so that's what you are to me right now. So I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I just can't wait for when you're like, I don't want to say bad bitch because you're, you're not a woman, but like when you're at the top and again, like you have all the followers and the accolades, I'm like, fuck yes, like best-selling book, fuck yeah. <laughs> and so we'll cross that bridge when we get there, but it, it's it's coming. Uh, I love the vision you have for me. So thank you so much for that. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're, that's where we're headed. That's the, that's the intention. But, um, I really appreciate you coming on and, and doing this episode. I think for a lot of people, this is exactly what they needed to hear. But one thing I like to do with every single episode is to just do one final question for every guest, which is if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? Gosh, to my younger self, I think I would have said, you know, go ask for help. Talk to more people. Don't go at it on your own. Seek anybody, even if they didn't walk the same exact journey, just embrace other people's ideas, other people's perspectives. They didn't have to do the exact same thing you're doing, but there's still value there that you can get just by having their support and all of that. And I wish earlier on, I would have embraced more people, mentors, advisors, and people like that. I know better now, but I'd tell my younger self to do that. Yeah. Well, you still have half a lifetime to keep using people, so no time is wasted. Exactly, exactly. What do they say? There's two great times to plant a tree 20 years ago or today. <laughs> so I guess we'll do it today. Yeah. Damn. I like that. I haven't heard that before. It makes sense. It's one of my favorites. It helps me get over that. Oh, I missed out. I took too long to do this. I always say that one to myself because it's never too late. I always say the best is yet to come. Like that's another thing I like saying to myself because it is, I'm only going to get better from here. So the best is yet to come. Yeah. I agree. Where can people find you, Roger, if they want to get involved or sign up for the book list or like, you know, uh, sign up for the School of Reinvention or all those things? Yeah. So right now, easiest way to do it is to go to rogerosorio.com. Everything is really going to be organized in there. The book is in the process, you know, by the time this episode launches, boom, that website will be up and ready to rock and roll and it will be in rogerosorio.com. So that's probably the one place to go. And I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, all these places. And it's just the handle at Roger Osorio for all of these, except for TikTok. I missed it on that. I had to put an underscore between Roger and Osorio, but you'll see all those links in the platform that you share it on. Yeah. And guys, it'll be in the description on the website. I'm sure we could talk for another two hours just because we get along so well. But again, thank you so much for coming on. This was super fun. And I know it's going to help a lot of my audience. So thank you. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. And thank you so much for your support on my journey. Yeah, of course. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Quitter podcast. Visit corporatequitter.com for resources, extended content, and additional information about our guests. To connect with us, stay up to date on all things Corporate Quitter, and to learn more about how you can leave the nine to five, follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys.